0: This is Nuri Shahin and you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Episode 184 of the Yellow Wallpot. I'm your host, as always, Stefan Butsko, and I'm joined by Matthias Zug for an episode where I probably have to eat a lot of words as Borussia Dortmund beat Borussia Mönchengladbach three to two away from home. And uh, yeah, we will also preview the cup match, the upcoming cup game, uh, which is why we have this show in two segments. In part one, we will obviously talk about Borussia Dortmund's last win and then we will uh, preview the next win in Munich. And uh, for that will join us Mark Lovell from ESPN. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Matthias, I welcomed you to the show and say hello and want to ask how you are doing right now.
1: Hey Stefan, I am doing quite well. Thank you.
0: I think in the last episode, we were all quite pessimistic about Borussia Dortmund's chances against Gladbach. Um, why were we all so shockingly, shockingly wrong yet again?
1: Well, I, th- I think you were actually the closest and you tipped two all. I want to, I want to say you did. Yeah, so, I, did. I mean, you were close. You were almost right. Um, last was definitely wrong picked us to lose uh, you know i think it was just a feeling uh after the monaco match uh given that you just saw that players were getting tired and um that the 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 bombing really uh really took it out of them mentally so we just thought you know Gladbach, gladbach at home even with hecking as manager even though you know exactly how gladbach is going to play there is no variance in a hecking mannschaft uh, a hecking team wow that was german um <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just thought uh, gladbach can do this at least a point out of it and they almost did it credit predominantly through uh, our generosity but uh yeah i think we underestimated dortmund's mental resolve
0: yeah, certainly, especially after a million away matches this year where Dortmund did not really show much of that resolve. However, um, we of course have to say that uh, preceding to Borussia Dortmund's top spiel on Saturday, there was uh, the 1-1 draw between Cologne and Hoffenheim. And I think that really set the mood for Dortmund because they knew if they were going away with three points, they would be third. And that's just what they did. And uh, right now they are 1-1 teeny tiny point above Hoffenheim but they are in third place in that Champions League spot and I I think I will ask you later on what the what this will mean now for Dortmund but before I do that I want to uh, talk a little bit about Borussia Dortmund's lineup here uh, because I I, th- I was I wouldn't say surprised, but there were a couple of changes. For example, Marco Reus was uh, playing up front as Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was rested. Julian Weigel was rested. Um, uh, Socrates out with a muscle injury. And we saw what I think was the back three in the, in the beginning, maybe a back four. But it was a back three later on with uh, Schmelzer, Bender, uh, and I think, who was the other one? Ginter, Yeah. Right? Ginter yep. and then, then Eric Dorm and, uh, Guerrero were basically the fullbacks. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Pulisic, Dembele up front, who I think did not play against Monaco. So had some, some freshness. <laughs> so how, how did you see that lineup when you read the team sheet? Were you like, okay, they're going to blow it. Or were you actually quite confident looking at some fresh faces like Castro, for example, who also came back from injury?
1: I don't think confident is the right word. Um, I wouldn't even say cautiously optimistic. I, I would say I thought I'd like, Oh, well, okay. If we get a draw, I'll be happy. Um, and, and it's not so much that I don't have confidence in the players that were on the pitch, but it's the fact that the constellation of those players on the pitch, I, can't, I'm trying to think if that lineup ever existed prior to this match. And I, I,
0: I'm pretty pretty sure it didn't. Pretty sure it didn't.
1: And so it's the automatism, uh, that is naturally (laughs) missing in that game, you know, uh, with Benda coming back in and, you know, Custo, okay, that, that helped a lot. I think Pulisic really helped, uh, his, his pace and, and the way he played again, absolutely outstanding. I always have to remind myself that he's just an 18 year old kid. Um, so I was positively surprised by the performance overall, even though, and of course you saw it then in the result, there was some massive, massive, uh, lackadaisical defending, just odd lapses at times, passes being played in ways that shouldn't happen. And I think it just comes down to the fact that there's a lack of familiarity with a lot of these players at this point in the season due to injuries and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I do have to say, though, especially in the first 15 minutes, don't look really, really sharp. And only then it looked like, uh, you know, the lack of automatism was uh, catching up to them. Yeah. I was really also impressed by the runs of, of Marco Reus up front, because I feel like his... His positioning is a little bit more intelligent than uh, the positioning of Aubameyang and the way he runs and uh, how he times his runs. So um that looked all very free-flowing, although, of course, Marco Royce isn't an out-and-out striker, but more of a midfielder. And with Pulisic, Dembele, and I would even add Guerrero into the mix, and maybe even Doom with, a, uh, to some extent, that, you know, the the movement and and the combinations in the final third was really nice and flowing. And um, that of course, also because Dortmund uh, were focusing more on counter attack, which is nice to see that Tuchel uh, isn't completely clinging onto possession football, but uh, said, okay, boys, this is not the game where we will uh, have all the ball and just invite Gladbach uh, to transition. But uh do the opposite and I think uh Gladbach had more position in the in the first half and Gladbach themselves are a counter attacking team as we said in the last episode and yeah that didn't really stuck too well with them so yeah that my first point uh, being that Dortmund looked quite uh yeah free-flowing in in their attack in the, in the first 15 to 20 minutes and uh yeah the the one I think after seven minutes or when was it?
1: Yeah, when did it came about the penalty? Really, really early. Again, um, trying to think the exact minute. I don't have it right in front of me right this second. Prepared as always.
0: Yeah, well, the penalty was scored in the tenth minute. Okay, well, it always um, takes
1: about twenty minutes to get a penalty shot off. So
0: exactly. (laughs) So what's the Given by Mr. Stark 10 minutes before the game had kicked off. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, for real, it, 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 I think that was one of the most uh, controversial penalty calls. Um, if, if you look at the, at the line, because there is just as many folks who say the ball or the foul was outside the box as uh, they say was right on the line. And I'm in the uh, latter department, meaning I think uh, that I think Strobel, who no, it was the hoot who yeah. gave the foul mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Who hit the uh, knees, uh, Pulisic's knee right uh, above the line. And hence for me, it was a clear penalty. <laughs> Stonewall. Penalty. But it, was, it was a
1: clear foul. I think that's, that's not up for debate. Uh, it was definitely a foul. I'm more in the camp that I thought it was outside the penalty area, but I'm okay with it, given that whenever stock, uh, officiates a match with Dortmund. I have to think of the Schmelzer handball red card from, I think it was about four seasons ago, against Wolfsburg at home, that led to us, I believe, losing that match. So, I'm okay with this now. It's, you know, karma coming eventually. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess you could give it either way. It was clearly a foul. Uh, you know, Pulisic speed I mean, you just saw it in his face when you look at the replay. His determination <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get to that ball was uh, fantastic. I love seeing that. And uh, so, I mean, he, quote, unquote, earned the penalty through his determination. I still kind of saw it as being outside of the penalty box.
0: Yeah, it's also my face when I'm trying to catch a train, uh, when I'm <laughs> late, <laughs> which happens more often than I care to admit. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that was a, that was a good, uh, face. Not gonna say anything other. So, um, <laughs> Matthias, uh, we, we of course do have to talk, um, about the injury of Nori Shine, and, there uh, that was another penalty call and uh, even clearer for me than, uh, the first one where Strobel just hit him in uh, in his ankle and shines now out with a partly torn ligament in his ankle and uh, Borussia Dortmund said on their page that there is still hope that he might return. There's a nice Twitter account uh, Fußballverletzung and that said that uh, half of the players who have that injury will be back after 17 days, uh, usually though it takes 28. So, you know, it's a bit of a roll of the dice. However, how bitter is it that Shine got injured so quickly again after just recovering from a long injury period. Uh
1: you know it's really gutting when i saw it i thought oh jeez you know i mean with with Nuri you, you think when an injury like that happens like okay well there's another 6 months out it's kind of like when Gunuhan got injured oh okay well there's a year um and that it's not as horrible even though i still believe it's pretty much the end of the season unless we make it to the cup final. Uh it's it's really a shame. He was starting to get his groove back. I I think he's been playing well again. Actually actually starting to get into maybe plans for next season. So it's it's a an, an annoying setback for Dortmund. Honestly, I think it could be a potentially devastating setback for Shaheen.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, he had to fight so many injuries and you just said it. He uh, was in, in fine form in the few games he played since returning from injury. Um, on for shine came Mikkel Merino, not Julian Weigel. So, yeah, Julian Weigel really got a break there by Tuchel and didn't want to be risked. Um, how did you see Merino overall?
1: You mean aside from one pass? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Aside from the one pass, I think he actually did really well. Um, I didn't see for someone who's essentially rusty, uh, because he doesn't get a lot of playing time and he's been predominantly used in the back line. Um, this is, in my opinion, and historically speaking, his more natural type position. I was quite pleased. I, I saw something there that I think you could build upon for next season.
0: No, yes, certainly. I mean, he played as a defensive midfielder for Sasuna. Um, however, um, yeah, we can say that he looked quite rusty in the first half and, uh, completely changed in the second half. I, I felt like his body language and, and his attitude and the lack of hesitation when he did things completely changed. So, um, yeah, much improved in the, in the second 45 minutes. And I think I, didn't entirely pin the uh, mistake, the giveaway, which of course was a, was his mistake, but I didn't entirely pin it on him because Borussia Dortmund, uh, with their newly yeah, formated back line, they didn't really have any plan whatsoever on how to get the ball out of their own back line and move it forward, and uh, that eventually had to catch someone because I think Gladbach were A, lurking for a, a mistake... Anywho, and and B Dortmund had a couple of risky plays where they could have been picked off at the back, and yeah, eventually it happened. Sadly, right before halftime, and and thus uh, the psychology factor of Dortmund feeling like they're in control of the game, and then it's it's one one at halftime. Obviously, a downer for them. However, uh yeah, they recovered <laughs> in the end. But before they recovered, it got worse right after halftime. Marcel Schmelzer scored a nice on goal. <laughs> Um, what what do you have to say about that?
1: Uh, you know, unlucky. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it kind of seemed, I said it before we started recording, I said it was a 3-2 that felt like a 3-0, uh, simply just because we gifted them those goals. I mean, those weren't uh, really goals that were worked out. It was more... Based upon our our or Dortmund's mistakes, and that wasn't really a mistake. That was just unlucky, and we'll just chalk it up to that. Because at the end of the day, we got the right amount of points. So I'm willing to move on (laughs) from that. Had we had it stayed two all or one two, probably be a different tone from me today.
0: Yeah, it's basically the situation where you just shrug and lift both arms in the air and that's that. Yeah, exactly. That's not really too much to say. I mean, uh, you know, it was from close range, it was unlucky, uh, moving on then. Um, so yeah, let's move on. I, I think we can more or less skip to the part where Pierre-Emeric Aubameyang got himself on the score sheet. 108 seconds on the field according to Sky. Um, how cool is it when, uh, you are football coach and then can bring a guy like Aubameyang off the bench against a probably tired backline.
1: I would equate it to uh, FA Cup semi-final of Chelsea versus my Spurs when you could bring on Diego Costa and Eden Hazard. Uh, it's just, if things aren't going quite as you want, the fact that you have a world-class player in your pocket that you can send out there that you know is a difference maker with that kind of speed... And knowing how susceptible the center-back pairing is to speed and movement, uh, it's supreme confidence. It's it's great to see. You know, it'd be nice if we had that kind of a scenario every week, but obviously we don't have the squad depth to be able to do that all the time.
0: Yeah, you're right. But in this particular moment, it was really, really nice. And uh, props to Usman Dembele, who uh, played that really awesome pass after being frustrating for for most parts of the game but uh, then again you know it's always the disclaimer with those young kids because they are young it's his first full professional season and you know there was a bombing two weeks ago so all in all it's it's okay if they're mentally a little bit tired right now and not completely uh yeah in 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 full song which is which is okay i i think uh, it's still amazing though how then even if he plays bad, that one or once or twice a game, he has this absolute magic moments. And, uh, those still make the difference as they did this time. Um, Matthias, you as a veteran goalkeeper, <laughs> <laughs> do you like it more when the striker just tries to shoot the ball in a, Bottom corner when when it's a one on one situation or when he fakes a shot and then tries to round you and and uh, has a narrow angle. What do you think uh, for you as a goalkeeper is, is what you want the striker to do? Obviously miss, but <laughs> in in which way?
1: Um, I like if you're a goalkeeper, I like the extra touch because a few things can happen that way. One, if there are defenders that are running back at speed, it gives them a chance to get in the way of the shot near the goal line. That's the one. The other thing is the the striker will always go to the outside. They won't cut to the inside. So you'll push them away. It gives you a chance to, I mean, yes, there's a risk. You stretch out a hand that, you know, you catch the striker and there's a penalty, but then there's the risk that they miss the penalty. Um, it Your odds are a little more in your favor if they take that extra touch to try to get past you in my opinion. That's just from observations. As a veteran goalkeeper, of course.
0: Yeah. Alright then. <laughs> no, but but uh, yeah, I I think that's true. However, I'm always a bit more confident that Aubameyang would score when he runs the keeper, although I think, as you just said, that's uh, more unlikely to miss. I mean, it was a very narrow angle for Aubameyang and he basically had to Lopped the ball, um, over, over a defender. Otherwise, it would have been cleared off the line. So a really nice goal. Um, yeah, there's not too many things left to say other than, uh, Dortmund, of course, grabbed the winning goal and showed great resolve. Mm, though, you know, all of that has to be seen with an asterisk because, um, I think Gladbach were really, really poor in this game. They had just so many errors in build up play and just reverted to long balls at some point and uh, yeah really made life easy for Dortmund um, yeah so I wanted to get this di- disclaimer out um, Matthias I said it before last question how do you think uh, this new situation with Dortmund jumping to third in the table will affect the team in a positive way for the last four matches
1: um, for the team as a whole, obviously it gives them the confidence boost to know that they are pretty close to reaching the minimum target, which is the direct qualification for the Champions League. I think uh, we also can't, uh, forget that Leipzig is still there with, it's still reachable to catch Leipzig in second. Um, that's, we'll have to wait and see if that happens. They have to stumble a few more times, but I think they could.
0: Five points right yeah. now. Yeah,
1: so I mean, it's it's absolutely achievable to to be second. Uh, that's why it was weird for me to actually root for Schalke for once. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I think it's a huge boost that they know they can do it. That they can do it with. I'm not going to say a B squad, but let's call it an A minus squad. Um, it's not the fully fit top squad that you would send out. So. No, I think it's good. And for the club as a whole, it gives them what, of course, in German, we call Planungssicherheit. So it gives them the security to start then planning for the next season because there's a difference whether you're 100% qualified for the Champions League or you're not. It changes how you uh, prepare for the upcoming season because obviously your preseason gets cut back by a little bit potentially. Um, and then on top of it, you don't know exactly the finances that are going to be coming in. So bringing in new players can be affected by this. So this is huge. This is a huge boost for the players and for the club.
0: Yeah, right now, though, still hanging on a yes. very tiny thread, considering it's just one point. And well, the Hoffenheim match you will still be have to be- Yeah, definitely, un- unless they blow it. The- Against Cologne, but uh, <laughs> I don't I don't expect them to do so. Um, yeah, I think we can more or less get out of here with our first segment. Uh, before we do that, although I think it's time to give some props to Sven Bender and Matthias Ginter for uh, keeping it rather shut at the back minus those two errors because uh, we give especially Ginter a lot of shit on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> I think I think he did rather well. So, yeah, kudos to those two guys. And, uh, yeah, now we will turn our attention to their Klassiker or whatever you want to call it in our second segment. Hello and welcome back to the Yellow World Pod. I'm still your host Stefan Butzko, but everything else has changed because we had a technical cock-up and Matthias and Mark Lovell, who were supposed to be here, and we also recorded, but they are both gone. And uh, yeah, it's 12.30 now here in Germany. Nevertheless, I made do, and I'm joined by two different people now on this panel, and I'm really happy to uh, present them to you. On the one hand here Susie Schaff. You might know her from the Record Meister Podcast. Hello Susie. welcome to the show.
2: Ah, oh, thank you for having me, Stefan. Yeah, I I hope your
0: Bayern bias will not shine through too much.
2: <laughs> you should probably just hang up now. <laughs> yeah,
0: probably. But uh, to cancel that out I have Manuel Fit here, also from across the pond from Canada. Hello Manuel, how are you doing?
3: Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited to be on this show.
0: People, people may know you from the Gegenpressing podcast, or footballgrad.com, or Fußballstadt, or Cidad.
3: Tons going on.
0: Or CNN. I don't know. You do <laughs> so much stuff. Anyway, uh, Manuel just revealed that uh, he has a blue heart, but is still from Munich. So, yeah. Oh.
3: That, that's why I am. I mean, I'm actually born and raised in Munich, then you're automatically a blue. I mean, that's just, you know, if you're from the heart of Munich, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a choice. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, can I tell you guys something? My, my favorite cousin, um, my family is from uh, at least my Bavarian family. Uh, and my favorite cousin in the world is uh is an 1860s supporter and everyone else in my family are all Bayern Munich. So <laughs> every once in I know it's crazy she's totally the black sheep in the family and like I said she's absolutely my favorite person except for that part. So uh when I was getting over to Munich or going to see my family on a regular basis uh she would always ask me if I'd go see a Go see a sixty game with her, and I was always like, "Oh no, I can't. I
3: can't do that. I'm sorry." It's probably a wise choice. It's not the yeah. game. You know? yeah, right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but like my whole life, I've been telling her no. I think eventually, I'm gonna have to say yes and and bow down and and go see a patch <laughs> But <laughs> sorry, but she, a little aside. She, she, she,
0: she might be the
3: uh, blue sheep of the family then.
2: Yes, actually, that's a much better statement. She is Lucy
3: well, you, 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 you identified the perfect Bayern münchen fan there doesn't live in münchen right foot and walk, is right. That outside of Munich uh, you <laughs> know has a, <laughs> that's that's basically sums it up
2: <laughs> i and I have absolutely nothing to say about that as I live in Florida so <laughs>
3: Case in
2: point.
0: <laughs> All right, then. I, I, I guess the, the the mood is set for us talking about uh, Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund. It's the cup semifinal this time, not a dull old league game, but there's actually something on the line. Uh, Manuel, I uh, must admit, I've seen you today earlier doing a little uh, live video of yourself talking about the game and uh, i will simply just ask a question and you can repeat your answer and i do wonder for which team is this time more important
3: oh that doesn't i mean it's very important for both because by i mentioned i think anything but i mean the one title they got right the german championship but they're the kind of club that one title is not enough, right? And they had um, a very difficult midweek game uh, against Real last week. And uh, I think only wa- walking away with the German championship is not enough. And I think for Borussia Dortmund, this, this can make a good season into a very good season. Um, so I, I think for Bayern, it's almost more important because there's a lot of criticism going on right now of Carlo Ancelotti. You know, when you look beyond what happened in Madrid with the referee, you can you can probably say that there was a few mistakes made with substitutions, et cetera, on his side. And that's just cold hard rationality. And, you know, looking beyond the uh, all the things that were said about the referee. And I think Bayern um, München, it seems to me, from, from what I've heard and from what I've seen, that there's a bit of um bad atmosphere at the club right now. And if they don't win this game, I can see them you know despite winning the german championship this turning a little bit ugly for them in the next few weeks so basically
0: you're not saying for which team it's more important but rather for which team it would be worse to lose which is maybe one approach to say how it's more important but you just said uh hardcore rationality and that brings me of course straight to susie and uh I wanted to ask you, uh, in what kind of form Bayern are approaching this game because they just lost against Real Madrid, drew 2-2 against Mainz. Um, so are they on full song or did they, uh, yeah, let's, let's say turn it down a little bit since they beat Dortmund 4-1 at the Allianz Arena?
2: It's kind of funny. I, I think, uh, the match against Hoffenheim actually started this kind of weird downward spiral that Bayern is on. Maybe it's not so weird. Um I don't I don't think Hoffenheim was taken seriously enough. And then I think the league match against Dortmund was taken too seriously. And then you go into the Real Madrid tie and I would uh, agree with Manuel especially in the first leg. Ancelotti made some really, really terrible, uh, terrible decisions as far as subs go. Um, And then, you know, the second leg and the ref and all that—they played really well. Um, To lose like that was kind of heartbreaking. And then, and then you'd think they would come back against mines, and they just kind of blew it. Uh, So I would say that you know, and. It's weird, and and I understand like what a what a privileged p- position I'm in to say like a draw always feels like a loss for Bayern, right? Cause yeah, it's just, the same
0: they've... for Dortmund. It's two points dropped, almost three, mm. so the one point doesn't really feel like you right. Know, much don't feel time. like
2: you're really uh, accomplishing anything, right? You know, and even though most teams would be like, yeah, all right, that was awesome, you know, uh. uh Okay, so at least it's not that just for Bayern supporters. Um, I don't know. I I don't know if everybody's heads are in the game. I mean, obviously in public everybody's saying the right thing. Uh, you know, yeah. we're prepared, f- we're fully motivated, we're this, we're that. But then, but then when they get on the pitch, it, it, uh, they're telling a different story. Uh, the body language has changed. Um, you know, just the posturing has changed. I, I feel like a lot of the fight has has kind of gone out of the team. Um And I'm really I'm really not sure where where the season is heading. The league isn't even a guarantee at this point. I mean, yeah. let's be let's be honest. I mean, it's 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 more than likely. But I don't even think wouldn't that wouldn't that's say it's
0: it's it's not a guarantee next season, but this season I'm yeah. pretty sure it's in the bag. Um Manuel I I sense that you wanted to say something, but uh, before you actually make this an organic pot, I would ask you a question. I, I do wonder because Susie just said that you don't know where the season is heading. Do you believe that maybe not progressing in a champions league kinda took out the tension of Bayern because that was like their big dream this year?
3: Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Because I said this on one of our game pressing parts, I felt um that this team was on a mission this year. And you have to remember all the players that are retiring this year and the ones that will be retiring soon. And we're talking Alonso Lamb this year and we're talking Ribéry Robin very soon, possibly already next year, right? And this was, in, in American sports, you always talk about windows, and um, the windows to win. And um, Bayern had that window to win the Champions League. And I think it's closed now because they're losing key oh, players. To...
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it <laughs> you was know, terrible.
3: Yeah, but it's just, um I think they're at the stage now. And I think they kind of realized it. And they, I felt that they were very deflated against mines. And Susie, you're saying body language. I think you've full on. Um, Kicker had a good headline this week saying... Uh, so the alarm bell has been ringing, right, for Bayern. And they're showing pictures of Mats Hummels, the like, complete distraught and um Robben lying on the floor, completely exhausted and um Ancelotti looking a little bit at a loss. And you're saying uh, substitution problems that he had in his first game against Real. I thought leaving Arturo Vidal on in that second game was a huge mistake. You know, um, he for me, Arturo Vidal. I actually, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of him. But he is a walking yellow card, and when he's a walking, when he has that yellow card, he's a walking red card. That's just, that's just who he is, right? He's and a walking double booking. Yeah, yeah, he, oh, he, he is a walking double Oh, is this. He is,
2: and to be honest, I, I do agree. With, I do agree with you there. Um, uh, he's, he's a loose cannon that never seems to quite get himself in a lot of trouble okay yeah. so so this is the only reasoning i think ancelotti could have had about this right is i mean if you remember his career at juventus he was always on a yellow card, mm. right and it's yeah. been that way with byron as well you know um he's as foully as he ever was um and and yes did he did he make Two fouls where he should have been sent off. Oh, absolutely. It just wasn't yeah. the one that sent him off. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, as far as Ancelotti's substitutions or starting 11s or whatever, it, it, it's not just a Real Madrid problem. It's been a problem all season long.
3: When they don't have a plan, yeah, let me- B. that's, sorry. that's, that's something. Yeah, sorry. That's, that's something that I've noticed about them. Um, you know, when, when Lewandowski, Robin, and um, Ribery are missing, all of a sudden their bench becomes, it's good enough for the average Bundesliga teams, right? But it becomes very one-dimensional almost. And um, Lewandowski was the big one for me, him missing the first leg against Real. Um, that team becomes very ordinary and when you look at the the major teams around, they all have a backup options. And that's actually a good parallel and it's something that I realized about Borussia Dortmund. I was, oh, they don't really have that backup option either up at the very front. Um, so they actually share that that issue when you when you really think about it.
2: But what Tuchel does differently than Ancelotti is is plays guys that don't always start. And and whether this is due to injury or whatever, you know, there's there's a better feeling for. Rotation of squad. I think when you look at Bayern's season this year, you know, um, players, players like, players like Sanchez that have been completely mismanaged over the entire season, or a guy like Kingsley Pullman, or even Joshua Kimmich, you know, these are, these, these are guys and they, you know, then they get thrown into these do or die situations and they don't perform up to everybody's Bayern Munich standards. And, like, the Bayern fandom goes nuts. Like, sell this guy, uh, he can go. And I'm like, come on. you They were never given an opportunity to get themselves in any sort of position to provide in a huge moment like that. You know, and but, and that's part of the board, and and and, you know, that goes from the board all the way down. You know, it's buy talent instead of create talent, even though that's supposedly starting to change now.
3: Um, well, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I said supposedly, right?
3: Well, there's a reason Philip, of, that's a reason why right. Philip Lam didn't take the job because he didn't right. feel like he had enough creative. He wouldn't have enough creative input. To no, I uh, know. do what I mean, he needed to do.
2: Yeah, of course. And I wouldn't take that job either. That's a that's a crap job. Unless it's... I mean, unless Matthias summer comes back. Oh my god, I miss him so much. P.S.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Ma- Matthias Summer did not come back, but he did come back to draw this draw out of the uh, <laughs> yeah. bowl and uh, Grand Bayern another home match in the cup. Um, <laughs> magically. <laughs> the 700 within the last five years. I, um, I. But yeah, if you make it far, the probability of playing at home is actually quite high because then you play against less amateur teams. So, you know, add in the little bit of odd doozle and <laughs> then you get a home match. <laughs> but, um, never, nevertheless, um, I kind of do want to talk about this uh, game also a bit in the light of the 4-1 loss uh that Dortmund suffered not too long ago. And uh Manuel, what do you think has changed since then? And looking at the game going forward, do you think that Dortmund has a better chance to beat Bayern in the semifinal now?
3: Um if I go by God I would say yes. But I actually went by gut the last time I thought Dortmund would have Bayern in in that game where they lost four one. Um and then you were gutted. <laughs> no, I was definitely gutted. <laughs> um, I think the, you know, I, I'm encouraged because what I saw on the weekend by Borussia Dortmund, I thought that once uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was back onto the field, he they were quite good. And Gladbach for me is a team that had a very good Rückrunde. Um, very, you know, since Dieter Hecking has taken over, very organized, well-organized side. And it's given the last... Three or so matches that Dortmund had with everything that happened in Dortmund, right? It's, it's still a bit of a weird, difficult atmosphere there. So to go there and to win a game where you were down 2-1 as well, right? And to come back and to win. Um, I think that makes me very optimistic. And the other thing that makes me optimistic is a guy like Marco Royce, you know, slowly but surely getting his match fix fitness. Uh, he always is a difference maker whenever he's on and, they just jealous of all him and Aubameyang, so the, I think the two of them showing what they showed against Gladbach, that's going to help them a lot. And uh, I think that I think that Tuchel might be a bit more careful this time, maybe not experiment as much. Uh, although Tuchel being careful is not always the best thing in the world, but you know, it's um, I I just I'm optimistic. Three times is a charm, right? I was in, <laughs> I was actually in the Allianz Arena when uh, Bayern destroyed Dortmund last year 5-1 and uh, Götze scored. It was just a whole mess. And um, then I just think that it's time, you know, they ha- the maturity has to be there. Um, and it is probably not there now. I think that squad aged probably a lot in the last two, two weeks. And I think it's going to help them um, to deal with what's going to happen in Munich uh, on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, that might be very true. I sadly now have to repeat myself of all that I said. In the segment that uh, sadly got lost, but uh, yeah, you're right. Marco Reus, of course, is a huge factor, especially if you consider that with him, there's so much cohesion returning to Dortmund's side in the gegenpressing, which is very important if you play Bayern. You can't just sit back and let Bayern uh, play, you know, especially right now where Bayern are a little bit more vulnerable. You uh, have to really approach them and, and, and press them and, yeah, with Marco Reus, Dortmund's pressing is just so much sharper. Yeah, you know, just looking at at it from, from the stand each game, he's there. You can just see such a huge difference. And I think that's going to be a big boost, especially when you consider that uh, it's also Sven Ulreich mm. in goal and not Manuel Neuer. And uh, Dortmund does like to press the goalkeepers as well. And uh, yeah, Ulreich's distribution probably not as well. <laughs> and Thomas Tuchel so said... <laughs> 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 yeah, well, Manuel Neuer is just the best keeper in the world. So, uh, you know, everyone's, every keeper in the world more or less will fall short if you compare with him with Neuer. So, um, yeah, and Tuchel said after the 4-1 loss in, in Munich where I think six Dortmund players played there where they never played in Munich before. In, in such a situation, you said that this will probably help for the semi-final, just that the players know how the atmosphere is like, how, you know, just take in the energy and the atmosphere. And, uh, basically, I, I do hope that players like Pulisic or Dembeleo and whatnot are less intimidated maybe because you could see that uh clearly that Dortmund did not always play the usual way they do that they shied away from some challenges and or were caught in two minds and just needed to split second too long to make a decision and that against Bayern usually can prove very very fatal so um yeah that's that's my hope why Dortmund could do better in in this one and uh yeah for that however they do need to stop Iron Robben. Susie, do you think uh this is something Dortmund will do better now with Schmelzer and maybe some assistant, or do you think Robin is just on such good form that doesn't really matter who's playing against him?
2: I think it I I think it's still really tough to occupy Robin effectively. I mean, teams have done it a little bit um over the season, a little bit of success. Um I think more importantly, um is to isolate is for Dortmund to isolate Thiago. Because Thiago is the, the crux of the entire operation. All things hmm. go by Thiago. And when Thiago fails, then it becomes moments of individual brilliance that save the team, whether whether that is Robin or whether that is you know Vidal hitting from distance or whether that is uh, or uh, Robert Lewandowski of course, who's always brilliant. Um, but yeah, definitely trying to contain him. However, you don't, you know, you don't want to put two or three guys on him and then, and then leave the rest of the attacking. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Whether it's Ribery, uh, and it will be Ribery, you know, and, and leave those guys open. It's always kind of a tough call. But like I said, I, I I would think that the the most important person to cover for Dortmund to be successful is Chago Alcantara.
3: That said, Robin had a field day in the beginning of April. You know, I, how often oh man. how how often was he allowed to get on to his uh, better foot and you know to cut in? And this is basically Robin 101, right? We right. all noticed.
0: I think he had seven shots alone. Yeah. That's,
3: that's, that's what I mean. That's, a, he had a field day. He, this kid, that yeah. guy had fun. And, um, if you don't, you know, you know, I know it's all, it's sometimes you can't just, just can't stop it because he's so good, but you know what he's going to do. He's going to come in from the side. He's going to cut in. He's going to try to finish. And I remember watching this game and, um, analyzing it afterwards in our Gegenpressing podcast. And I was just thinking like, if you try aspire to be a top team, you cannot let Robin do that. and that he, he had fun out there. he had way too much fun. actually I think in in one way or another Dortmund were lucky the result was just four one because uh, usually he puts two or three away of those, right and um I think that's that's something that they will have to sort of um learn that you know that they don't let the occasion get to them and contain guys individually because you're right because if they contain him and put all the focus on him um when I wrote this preview for this game I actually my focus was on Frank because I thought he was excellent against Real you give put that focus on on Robin you abandon one of the other two guys they then they will have all the time in the world to do whatever they want right so you, it's right. it will have to be a really balanced kind of defensive display um without too much emphasis but i think don't let the occasion get to you and do the simple things right like don't let robin cut in it's really you know it's 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 really that simple
2: i mean it sounds like the easiest thing in the world but it's but he does it against everyone (laughs) it's astounding actually to watch because you know exactly what's going to happen and it happens you know and and sometimes even when he's covered by two or three guys or like a sort of uh you know zone sort of defense where if he moves across into another box somebody else picks him up or whatever um yeah it's uh, i mean he's honestly he's he's honestly he's like top 3 of my favorite Bayern Munich players of all time i I
0: think Yeah, I bet. I mean, just the burst of speed yeah. with every step that's just amazing. And I
2: mean, he's lost a step, that, you know, he's lost a step maybe two over over this season. He's definitely not as quick as he was, but I mean, he still fools you by doing the exact same thing. I think it's marvelous. It's you know, um that's one of the guys that, you know, since he's come on uh to the squad, that just is an absolute joy to watch, and and he still thrills thrills me every single time, you know.
3: Thirty thirty three, he's thirty three yeah. now. Same with Ribery, thirty four. You, you know, this is this is one of the things that um I wrote an article on this lately. It can't be that someone like Douglas Costa and Kingsley Coman were still in their mid twenties. They come in and they look older than the guys that they replaced,
2: mm-hmm. um, and
3: that's definitely the case right now. I think both of them have been marvelous and when they fit, you know, this, they're an absolute joy to watch. I think, um, even as a non-Bayern fan, when Robin is gone, we'll look back and think, you know, we had some, that's a marvelous player that we had in the league and he's, he's going to definitely have an, in, you know, when he leaves, he's going to leave a massive gap, not just for Bayern, but in terms of what, in terms of superstars that the league can present to the world because he is that, in my opinion. I think he's highly undervalued um in a lot of ways, because he's often injured, and he does his antics, and he dives, and all that kind of stuff, but he's just a marvelous player, and that's um the bottom line.
2: And a really, really nice guy to boot. Like, in person. Absolute sweetheart. Really, really
0: cool. <laughs> I do wonder how many Yellow Whopper listeners just tune on yeah. at this point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know the sort of bitchy, the sort of the bitchy antics on the field. That is strictly that's strictly on the pitch. You know, it's it's.
0: Yeah, that is that is that is true though. That is true. But uh, yeah, it's it's still very very annoying uh, for many Dortmund fans. I, su- I suppose. Um, yeah, I I I don't know why, but I feel like I'm so out of questions on Dortmund right now uh, because. It's to, to me, it's just so hard to predict at the moment who even will be fit and what Tuchel will come up with. Um, Manuel, do you maybe have a hunch of what Dortmund will present, uh, what players are fit and uh, maybe if there will be, as you said, some experiment or maybe more conservative approach in Tuchel terms?
3: Yeah, I hate writing previews on Dortmund because (laughs) it's Tokel does what he does. But I have him down as a um, 3-4-2-1 formation. So, Berkin goal, obviously, and then Piszczek, Socrates, Bender in a three-man defense. See, Socrates is doubtful. doubtful. So that's an asterisk for sure. Yes, I just, um, optimistic. I put him in, but that's, uh, you're right. He is, he could be replaced by someone, um, so but let's just hope he's fit. Usually these guys when when a game like that they get they get a shot or two and uh you know they're made fit. We started with Hummels and Boateng against Real Madrid, right? Same thing. So I have those three in defense. Again, Socrates is a maybe. Then I have Durham, Castro, Weigel, Guerrero in uh, a four man defense right in front of them, and then uh so that's a three, four, and then I have two, then Bill and Royce and then Aubameyang of course up top. But and that's a yeah, maybe, uh, you know, he likes to change things. So there could be a couple of guys that, um, might not be featuring. So Cortez is probably the biggest maybe of them all.
0: Yeah. Pretty sure he is. Um, who did you say was playing next to him? Was it Ginter or Bender? I have
3: Bender. Maybe this is, vis- maybe this yeah, is wishful right. thinking. <laughs> uh, I think Ginter has and having a sitter in <laughs> the And that's that's polite. Uh, he has been, can I say atrocious? Because he has been atrocious, hasn't he? I don't know. Well, apart from from Gladbach,
0: really, there was one game where he actually didn't screw up. So <laughs> I I think he played well there. It's just,
3: you know, I, 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 I struggle with him because you can see the talent, right? But you can also... S- Because you remember when he was this highly talented talent from Freiburg and he went to the the World Cup in 2014. Yes, he didn't play, but he went anyways, right? And somewhere along those lines, he lost something. Then he Tuchel played him as a right back, I remember. And uh, I thought that was actually a very good position for him. But is I'm actually curious what you think, Stefan, because for me it's it's a huge confidence issue, and maybe because he's just been shifted around way too much, he has been just a threat to his own team in many ways.
0: Yeah, I think I think confidence might be a factor, but I, I think it's it's overall maybe his character. Um, when I was driving home with a couple of other colleagues from the Gladbach game, we also were talking about him like that. He's he's just too sleepy mm. you know he's just like uh you know uh, a snooze fest in human flesh sometimes the way he yeah. talks and and just the way he not commits himself into challenges having confidence or not confidence is one thing but you know this is just too such such a constant theme with Ginter that I don't actually think that it's confidence because even when he's doing well he sometimes just uh Misses the step or, or just, uh, yeah, not throws everything into a challenge, which is exactly what you need to do. If you want to be a Bundesliga defender or, you know, a defender at Champions League level or whatever, you cannot, you know, wait around, but you actually have to get stuck in there. This is something, um, when, when you watch Dortmund versus Bayern and, uh, if you watch it from a Dortmund perspective, you always realize how, Every Bayern defender, they just throw themselves in every challenge. And Ginter is not doing that often enough. And I think that's, that's the biggest problem with him. That uh, yeah, he has all the talent, but it's lacking in resolve, resoluteness. And, and yeah, these kind of, uh, let's say features that you would associate with the Socrates, for example. So
3: basically he's, he's, yours. that's aged too, two, isn't it? Because he's only 23 still. I remember watching Jerome Boateng when he was that age and making a lot of the same mistakes. And, um, y- you almost wonder if this is just a maturity thing. And,
0: um, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, it
3: must be because center backs, um, you know, so much comes with anticipation and, um, experience and, I mean, in his case, maybe he just needs to learn to uh, not take a sleeping pill before every game. You know, Tuchel needs to give him a cup of coffee, um, to wake him up a little bit. But it's, it's curious that you're saying that because I never could quite put a finger on it. And that's exactly, um, it's exactly, that's exactly it. What the way you describe him, he's a snooze fest. That's exactly his biggest problem.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very, well, not confident, but I'm, I expect him to leave this summer just because Top Rock is coming in and, uh, you know, there's not really, uh, yeah, starting player written over his position. I'm pretty sure he knows that as uh, mentioned before often enough. Uh, he has tried to leave the club in the last two seasons and always was kept on the roster due to other injuries. And I'm sure he will leave now. Maybe Gladbach, maybe Hoffenheim. He has a, a lot of interests and offers. So I presume that should should happen. And uh, then maybe at a new club, where he maybe does not have as much competition and can play for a longer time. Maybe he will finally find that resolve. Maybe also he just needs to join a team like Frankfurt or so, where or or Berlin, where they just, uh, yeah, have these uh, very aggressive antics. By default, <laughs> let's, let's put it this way. But uh, <laughs> while we were talking about center-back Susie, um Mats Hummels and Borateng, they were practically limping toward the end of uh, the extra time against Real Madrid. Um So I was surprised to see that um, Hummels was playing, actually starting and playing the whole 90 minutes against Mainz. Um, will this be an issue on Wednesday for Bayern that their center backs might not be completely in physical shape?
2: Yes, and especially considering Olreich uh, is <clears throat> right, in goal instead of instead of Neuer, um, definitely the place that you can hit Bayern. Um, Alaba missing, even you know on the left, is not as big of a deal as as people might think i think uh juan Bernat is is apt and probably too talented i think he has
0: also proven that against dortmund so if i remember correctly yes. that bernard is not too shabby no
2: no nah, he doesn't suck <laughs> so, but yeah it's definitely a place that that they can be hit um and especially even going forward like distributing uh Hummels and Boateng are obviously great distributors of the ball, you know, of long balls and and deep plays. So, um, yeah, it's a great place for for Dortmund to be disruptive, I think.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure if they're going to be fit. Uh, I have them in my starting 11 for my preview, but... Boateng is a maybe just like Socrates is. And, uh, I was surprised to see Hummels on the pitch as well, just as much as you were, Stefan, because, um, he seemed not, not good. <laughs> and that was, on his last yeah, yeah. To, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I, I, so, have- I, so, I was surprised that Bayern
0: didn't play the entire second team going by how many yeah. Star players, they probably could have rested. Yeah. I mean, Robin Ribéry, Muller, Lewandowski, Vidal, I, Thiago, they all played.
2: Yeah, it's kind of against it's, Again, that goes back to Ancelotti's man management, um, which, like I said, has been a problem uh, all season long. Not to beat a dead horse. Of course, Bayern aren't dead. Funnily
0: enough, it, it was always said that, you know, Unlike Guardiola, he will have his team fit when it's crunch time.
2: <laughs> and it all fell it all fell completely apart. <laughs> okay, I'm not one of those I'm, I'm pretty you know, there's there are two very distinct sets of Bayern Munich supporters and one one set is pro Pep and the other one is pro Ancelotti. Um I definitely fall in the former, not in the latter.
0: Um I think we, we heard that by your malicious snickering there. <laughs>
2: You know, and I hate, you know, I don't want to be right. But I've been right, you know, uh, you know, so uh, uh, Stefan and I were talking about this earlier. It's, you know, it's your heart versus your head. You know, I I don't I don't want this to be. To go badly, you know, but but signs are pointing to some not very good things, you know, Uh yeah, I don't know. Uh, center backs, everything is kind of iffy at this point. Um, I think that Vidal, in light of his sister's husband dying, being murdered, should probably sit this one out, even though he chose to stay in town. Um, he wasn't very good last time out either. Um, you know, but, uh, but, Ancelotti's gonna bring, it's gonna be Robin and Ribery Hopefully it'll be Muller at the 10. Yeah, and then I Thiago don't think and so. Double. Yeah, I mean, it should be Muller at the 10 and then Chiago in a double pivot with, with, uh, with Shabby. But I, yeah, I don't think so either. I just kind of like the way that that's set up a little better. Um, you know, and of course Lewandowski up top mm. and Lop on the right. Uh This is the sort of match you guys were talking about, Boateng and Hummels, who played absolutely brilliantly over the first 90 minutes of the Real Madrid match, the second leg. They were marvelous. I mean, marvelous. You know, but but extra time did them in, and and they were not fit going into that. So I don't know. I don't. Huh, you know.
0: See the 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 question I have, and and uh, you know I don't want to root for injuries because I would never. But um Dortmund, of course, have a lot of pace up front, and if they manage to stretch Bayern with that, especially Dembele, Pulisic, Royce, you know, I don't know when they play, but at some point they will play, and uh, of course Aubameyang, not to mention. And I I do wonder if if that uh you know might force Bayern to uh. Yeah, basically substitute Hummels or Boateng at some point because one of those can continue. And then I wonder, is Martinez, is he available right now? Because I think he is also
3: touch and go. I right? want
2: to say he was uh, training individually. Was it today or yesterday? I lose track of time.
3: My so, info is that he's not available.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. So that's it. It's going to be Hummels and Boateng, if they can go. If not, Kimmich?
3: Yeah. And, and that's it. And and, and
2: yeah, and, and Stefan, you made a good point. And and it's a perfectly exploitable, especially with the burning speed. God, Dambele is fast. I mean, Alba Mayang is fast. Dembele has some damn wheels too. Jeez. You know? Um definitely definitely a threat. This is the sort of match where I don't really know. What's gonna happen? Like I felt like that the second uh tie against Madrid as well. Like it could go anyway. You know? There's not I wouldn't I would never call a win or call a score line in case you're gonna ask, because I don't have an answer. But. <laughs>
0: All right. I'm, I'm going to hold you down to it and in, in one way or another. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think you made, made a nice point there being that this, uh, sounds very close. And I, I think that's, uh, maybe a nice takeaway from a neutral and probably also from a Dortmund perspective that it will probably be a lot more exciting than the, uh, league fixture, which kind of was very one-sided. Although the first 20 minutes was actually very well for Dortmund other than Bayern squad with their two chances they had. But other than that, it was, <laughs> Quite promising, actually. Maybe they can continue there, <laughs> <laughs> as as uh, harsh as it sounds now. But um, yeah, I I personally I'm looking forward to this game because I feel like on on uh, Wednesday night it's gonna be much closer. Nevertheless, uh, I have my doubts about Borussia Dortmund's backline as well. Um, so Manuel, every time Abou plays against Bayern, he usually has this one one on one chance against the <laughs> goalkeeper. And more often than not, he misses this. Um Do you think that, you know, at some point he will score, maybe on Wednesday? It's your prediction whether Aubameyang will score or not in a one-on-one situation against
3: Ores? Someone has to score because I wrote my preview that Dortmund will win this game 1-0, so it might as well be him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think... He, there's a really good point that you raised there because uh, I remember watching the whole Bayern-Hoffenheim game and with Ulreich in net, that uh, high defensive line all of a sudden seemed very high because Ulreich likes to stay uh deep, right? Very deep. And I remember... He's not the
0: sweeper-keeper. It's not yeah,
3: exactly. he, he, he just stays. He doesn't even come out of his box. You know, he just... I remember there was a couple of chances that Hoffenheim had one-on-one and Ulreich, he... You know, he saved it then on the line, but um that was more because Hoffenheim wasted his chances, not because Ulrich is a brilliant keeper. I think there will be tons of chances for Aubameyang to get breakaways in this game. If they play this smart and they force Bayern to play that high defensive line with the two guys and the two centre-backs basically walking on crutches and a keeper that doesn't like to um, leave his five-meter box... I think, uh, there's a very good chance that Aubameyang will get some space and, um, maybe for once he won't squander it. Um, as I said, my tip is 1-0 and it might as well be him.
0: All right. Uh, I guess we've come to the point where predictions are on the table. Manuel already, uh, uttered his. I, uh, I don't know why, but I think it's going to be a 3-2 win for Dortmund after penalties. So, uh, it's gonna be a long night and even longer night of writing stuff afterwards, but that's <laughs> life when you become a sport journalist. Don't do it, kids. Um, Susie, I know you said you wouldn't, but you know, why not?
2: I, I do have a thought. So, <clears throat> it is either going to be into extra time with Bayern scoring at the death or. Dortmund win on penalties.
0: All right, so it's one way or another going to be a very long night.
2: Yeah, <laughs> one way or the other. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can totally see the match going into extra time. Um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up on Lewandowski in the 90th minute, or Robin, for that matter. If they're still on the pitch or, you know, in the, in the 110th or whatever. So yeah, that's my feeling. It's definitely not going to be, if it is, I mean, I'll be the happiest girl in the world if it's a, another Bayern destruction, but I absolutely, I just don't see that happening.
0: Yeah. Well, after all this talk, we always just have to wait and see. Uh, In the meantime, Manuel, um, do you think Frankfurt or Gladbach will progress from the other cup tie?
3: I have a really funny feeling about Frankfurt for this entire competition, actually. So I think Frankfurt will go, uh, through to the final.
0: Huh, interesting, Susie. Do you think, uh, Gladbach will lift the trophy with cup master Dieter Hacking?
2: I think, I think that actually Frankfurt is not a bad shout. Um, they've been, I think uh, sorely undervalued in the competition so far. Nobody's really talking about them. Um, Gladbach, uh, the Ruckrunde has been very, very good to them though, and I think they're they're kind of steamrolling their way through. I think Gladbach goes. There.
3: Yeah, but Marco Fabian is back in form, and uh, you know he he was the main reason I think why the wheels came off for Frankfurt, and he was excellent this weekend. Um, he is their key player and when he's on he is really on and i think that he's going to be the difference maker in this game
0: yeah that is true although i would add that uh frankfurt are missing another key player in vallejo who has been an yeah. excellent defender for them especially in the first half of the season i mean he has uh yeah abated a little bit his form has deteriorated but nevertheless, he has been awesome. and It's very sad for for Frankfurt that he will probably not return after his injury as Real Madrid will probably be clever enough to have seen his quality. Mm. And then he will most likely return to uh, Los Blancos. But uh, then again, you never really know. Maybe it's going to be another loan deal. But I would assume Vallejo will end up at maybe Chelsea or another club on a higher level. Which is in need of a center back better than I realized. Uh, it's where Christensen will go back to Chelsea. So that was a bad example. I'm sorry on that. <laughs> anyway, it's time to knock it on the head because, uh, it's, uh, time for me to go to bed as it's one twenty now in Germany. Guys, thank you so much for, uh, spontaneously coming on and, uh, saving the yellow wall pot. So, uh, <laughs> Susie, you go first in telling our listeners where they can find you on the internet, and please be nice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what do you think? Meaning I was our listeners. Say? <laughs> uh, okay, on Twitter you can find me at Susie, uh Obviously, f u s s b a l l s u s i e. I do social editing for In Bed with Maradona, and I write somewhat occasionally now uh, <laughs> for. Buddhistliga fanatic that's Buddhistliga for you and uh, we're getting the we're getting the Bayern central back together very soon so I'll provi- be providing more regular content there at Bayern Central
0: yeah I at the uh, football block network coordinator of one football of course I have to say you can check out Bayern central for probably a good preview for that game from the Bayern side, but you can also go on fußballstadt.com and find a preview there, which is also in the OneFootball network. Yes, I'm everywhere, <laughs> Manuel. <laughs> I've also waited last for you to uh, say where people can find you and your work, because I only get so much time.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I'm always very busy. So um, you already mentioned uh, fußballstadt.com. It's part of the OneFootball Football. Network And we have uh, my other two pages are actually in it too, footballsidage.com. So that's more MLS and Liga MX, uh, a lot of that um, going on right now. And then, of course, Football Grad, which is where it all started, um, post-Soviet football, Russia, Ukraine, uh, all these other countries um, that probably no one knows that they exist. So that, that can be found. Um, easiest is actually just found via OneFootball. Um, that's probably the best way to find it. And then you can find me on Twitter at homosovieticus.com.
0: yeah also very easy to spell
3: (laughs) (laughs) I can spell it out yeah it's uh, H-O-M-O S-O-V-I-E-T C-U-S (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow. All right. I'm that was just powerful. for the fun. Uh, it's also <laughs> going to be linked in the show notes. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's uh, all from us. Uh, you can find, of course, Matthias at Matthias Luke on Twitter. You can find me at Stefan Botsko. You can find and contact the entire show at Yellow Wallport. You can find us on Facebook also Yellow Wallport. If you want to support the show on Patreon, you can do that on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And if you want to find new ways to subscribe maybe to the podcast, you can do that via iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud. And uh, yeah, if you got a spare minute, go on yellowwallpod.com and check out our written stuff, which is there as well. So I guess we'll be back with another episode around Thursday or Friday and discuss Dortmund's win or lose or loss in Munich and preview the all-deciding match against Cologne, I guess. So... Good night and goodbye. Thank you for listening.